Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporthouse. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. A lot to get to in college football and the NFL, so let's jump right into it. The University of South Carolina beat the Kentucky Wildcat, the Wildcats with the final score of 24-7. williams Bryce Stadium was definitely electric. It was a nice game, which is always nice to see. And they were wearing the throwback uniforms again. So, you know, it got the fans kind of amped up early. And obviously, in the SEC game, SEC game, you only get so many college football games a season at home. So, the fans took advantage of this one. While the fans were great, I really questioned the quality of football that I was watching. It didn't. It just wasn't any too much of the explosiveness. Uh, I guess some people like this more old style. It's more like a Big Ten game. It's just we're going to run the ball and for USC throw a couple screens. Well, actually a lot of screens. And just make it happen, get our receivers out in space. But it just wasn't. You didn't see too many of the huge plays that I, that I look forward to seeing in college football. But that is what it is. Kentucky's offense was hot garbage. They had no 100-yard rusher, passer, or obviously receiver. Their quarterback, and I do have to give the guy some credit because he's the backup quarterback. He's not the starter. The starter's out. Uh, Sawyer Smith went 11 for 32 for 90 yards passing. 11 for 32, that's a little bit better than 33%. So approximately 33%. Every time he threw the ball, it was a 33% chance that the receiver was going to it was going to be a completed pass. The receiver's going to catch it. That's kind of terrible. Uh, their leading rusher has six carries for ninety for 65 yards. Again, just I mean, that isn't a bad average. That's 10 yards a carry. But one of those probably came on a chunk play, if I'm not mistaken. Like It just wasn't the most exciting thing. Uh, one could say the USC run game looked solid with 200-yard backs. It seems like the more style the team probably should move towards. Although they do have Alinsky who can kind of air that thing out a little bit. Uh, it looks, seems like right now he's still trying to get his elbow situation. See, uh, Muschamp and all those guys said that he's throwing fine throughout the week. I don't believe that because when he's throwing it, he can really rip that thing. And the fact that they threw that many screens, and although you really run screens whenever you're trying, when you have a very aggressive defense, <clears throat> and, you know, and you know they're going to get up the field very quickly, so you want to get the ball out quickly. I think it's also because he's still working on that accuracy, getting that elbow right. And until that's done, they're just going to probably continue doing this. Also, but the USC defense did play very well. Uh, Ernest Jones came up big with the interception there. Um, Warner, I think, I'm pretty sure he had three sacks. Sterling played well. I'm sure Kinlaw was clogging up some holes up there <coughs> in the middle. You got to appreciate that from the big guys. Defense played really well. Offense, like I said, run game was well. The pass games, a lot of things to work on. I think the one deep pass to Brian was incomplete, but I don't really remember seeing too many more than that. Like I said, I think Olinsky's still working on that elbow situation. It's crazy, that quarterback room. Bentley's out for the season. The carry-on joiner, who is the third-string quarterback, was out with the hamstring. So, really, after Olinsky, they were going to have to go to Jay Urich. I'm pretty sure his name is Jay Urich. He had been, who had converted the wide receiver there. I guess they had been practicing throughout the week and him back at quarterback. So, that little quarterback room at the University of South Carolina is really thin right now besides probably walk-ons. <clears throat> And other guys, they probably feel that just aren't ready right now. One thing that you saw a lot of at the game was fans complaining about people leaving early. This is a problem. I feel like it's always going to be a problem in college football because people, after about halftime, want to go back to their tailgates. There's nothing wrong with that. It'd be nice if USC had a uh, re-entry, like a re-entry system like most other universities do. So you go back to your tailgate and then come back in the second half. It'd help also, like, as far as for the picture of the University of South Carolina, as far as the stadium at the third quarter, recruits are watching the game. They're like, oh, wow, it's still packed in there. SEC matchup, all those great things. But, you know, that's kind of your own thing. You pay for your tickets, so you do what you want with it. Georgia's up next week. 
hopefully the University of South Carolina, not next week. Next, this week coming is a bye. But the week after that, USC travels to Athens between the hedges, Stanford Stadium, whatever you want to say, to play University of Georgia. That's going to be a very physical game. So hopefully these Gamecocks that are a little bit dinged up right now can go ahead and work through whatever they have going on there, go ahead and get rehab. Uh, they don't even think they're practicing until Tuesday. They probably only have two, maybe three practices this week to get themselves ready because once they get between, like I said, once you get between the hedges, it's a physical matchup. It's going to be them running the ball versus you throwing, and their defense will be there. Their crowd always shows up because I think USC and Georgia have some sort of little rivalry there going on, even though it's kind of been dominated as of recently. But it's going to be great to see. Should be out there. I should be out there at least. We'll see what happens. Um, Overall direction of the program is something I wanted to talk about. USC, I don't... Muschev is a great defensive coach. I mean, sometimes right now, you can look at the South Carolina DBs and you're kind of wondering right there if that is true. But generally speaking, he's been a great like a defensive head coach. But as overall, look at this program. He's four or five years in right now. I think four years in, if I'm not mistaken. And they are struggling to beat Kentucky. I don't think that this program is going in the right direction. As uh, contrary to a lot, of, a lot of South Carolina fans are telling me. I think that they need to might look into a new direction, something kind of spark. Like, like I said, like okay, you beat Kentucky, that's great, but it's like this is four years in we're beating Kentucky. Like, uh, oh, your first year as a head coach, second year, okay, we beat Kentucky, that's great, but it's like by now you would think we'd be trying to beat uh, the Alabamas of the world. You know, obviously you know it maybe not be able to beat Alabama, but you uh, the higher tier programs, not just barely beating, not barely because they did beat them pretty well, but. The when I was watching this game, I'm like, this is not the like this program is not moving in my opinion in the right direction. So I'll be interested to see what Ray Tan and all those guys decide to do about that. Speaking of a program moving in the right direction, Clemson almost lost to uh, the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That game was in Chapel Hill. As a matter of fact, they they won. Clemson won with the final score of 21 to 20. <sighs> Okay, well, let's just go ahead and say this. I think Trevor Lawrence officially out of the Heisman candidate race. He's just not doing it right now. Uh, Clemson's hardly playing anybody, and the fact that they can barely beat UNC, just that's that's not it. I will say one th- uh, uh, on the bright note of this game, T. Higgins really came to play. He had six receptions for 126 yards. He started to get a little bit overshadowed by, you know, the Mario, not really the Mario Rodgers because he's been hurt, but Justin Ross. But T. Higgins was a five-star coming out of Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. I know Tennessee wish they would have gotten him. But he's a five-star coming out of Tennessee. He's really show- he really showed out this past game. The uh, one of the Clemson's better cornerbacks, AJ Terrell, did not look too hot, so he'll be sure. I'm sure Brent Venables would get all, and Mike Reed would get all over him in film, and they'll get that fixed away because he, because he didn't look good, and that will probably. And if I'm another team, I'm looking at him as the liability right now because I'm definitely not going nowhere in the direction Isaiah Sims, who's like the six foot four, 230 pound safety linebacker. He was, by the way, a little side note, he was a high jumper at Clemson his freshman. He's just a freaking nature, so. AJ Terrell there, I'm sure they're gonna get him fixed. He's the corner number eight, if I'm not mistaken. I was so upset with Mac Brown for not kicking that extra point. All you do is kick the extra point and go to overtime. Like I don't I somebody other people believe that he made the right decision just going for it and trying to win the whole game, but it's like no. No, that's not and then the play that they chose was like really like what are y'all doing? You, 
all throughout the week, they come up with scenarios and things when they're practicing. They practice these things. I cannot believe, and they probably didn't have a scenario for the game-winning two-point conversion, but they do have two-point conversion plays, I'm sure. They have a whole game of film to, I mean, a whole game to look at as far as like what they want to do towards the end. And the, so the fact they threw that, they draw that play, which was like a read option and it was almost like a triple option type of deal. It was just bad. It was just a bad idea. If you're going to go for two, have a great play. If not, just kick the extra point and go fight in overtime. And I think they would have had a better chance there. Cause the, the all, cause basically what you're doing with that Clemson defense, like, yo, they can kind of come together. Yo, we just need this one stop. And usually that's the national championship team last year they they can really come together usually make those big plays in the big moments so i didn't think that was the best decision but on the bright note i do think mac brown is building something special at the university of north carolina if he can do this in his first year i think come years to come he really gets some of his recruits and stuff in there they will be a force me reckon with at least in the acc now on on the national scale probably not but acc though i feel like they'll be playing clemson in a lot of the uh, coming acc championships because they represent the coastal uh, Clemson's in the ACC Atlantic. Uh, fun fact, I don't, I don't think I said this in last week's podcast, but the UNC quarterback, Howell, almost went to Clemson to be the backup behind Trevor Lawrence. He's a freshman, so he would have been the backup this year. But instead, he went to the University of North Carolina starter. And word, word to the wise of recruits out there, don't always go to the bigger schools with the bigger names. Sometimes go, go someplace where you could be great initially. So that's a little fun fact there. Clemson better get out of this little this funk they got going on right now. Uh, the ACC isn't good, but these are still Division One football players, Division One coaches, all of those things. So they don't get that together. I firmly believe that some team in the ACC might be able to kind of keep playing with games like this. I don't know if any team in the ACC can beat them necessarily, but if it gets close, whoever knows what could happen in a p- close ball game. So Clemson need to get out of this funk, but. As long as they, if they can get in it, because Clemson has yet to play their best game. But once they start playing their best game, nobody really can mess with them, especially on their schedule. Once they start playing their best football, you can kind of cut Clemson games off to the college football playoff because that will be the first time they have any competition. Even the one, the ACC championship game will be an easy dub for them. I don't, Virginia is right now the leader in the Coastal, and I don't, I just don't think Virginia as an athlete's matchup with Clemson. But I think Virginia can beat Clemson if they're sleeping. They won't play, I'm pretty sure Clemson doesn't play Virginia on their schedule. But I do think if Clemson keeps slipping and stays and remains in this all the way to December, I think second or third that weekend when ACC championship is, Virginia can't come in there and beat them. It will be a that will definitely be a David uh, David and Goliath situation, but you know it could happen. It's college football, right? Move on to the the more like I guess you could say the Midwest. Oklahoma beat Texas Tech with the final score fifty five to sixteen. Jalen Hurts is playing magnificent right now. The best decision of his life was to leave Alabama and head to Oklahoma. Uh, he had 415 yards passing. That Oklahoma team has has yet to score less than 48 points in a game this season. They are playing trash defenses, so keep that in consideration. Their first road test, as I keep saying, will be against Texas on what is that October October 12th. That's gonna be a great. That is gonna be a great game. I'm pretty sure college game day will be there. As a matter of fact, that's the same day as the USC uh, Georgia game, so I probably will miss it. But it's gonna be a great game. Uh, also, you can tell Jalen Hurts is super focused, super dedicated. After every game, he goes and lifts weights. Every game. Like, not, I'm not saying, like, later on that night. Like, he gets out of that press conference, he's in there lifting weights. Kid is ultra focused. I kind of wonder, like, obviously they have, like, the, the right uh, 
weightlifting staff and stuff. I'm really thinking, like, isn't that when you're supposed to be resting? But, look, they get paid more than me, so they know what they're doing. But the kid is laser focused. He just wants to play Alabama and beat them. <sighs> We're going to see what happens to Oklahoma. But I like Jalen Hurts. I like him a lot. Another team that I like a lot right now is the Ohio State Buckeyes. They who destroyed Nebraska 48-7. to Ohio State is yet to score uh, to be in a game where they score less than 42 points. Their running back, J.K. Dobbins, had 22 carries for 193 yards. That's like a workhorse. Those are Ezekiel Elliott-type numbers. I'm not comparing them to Ezekiel Elliott, but they did both play a running back at Ohio State. So, take out what you want. He's not as uh, he's almost as good. Well, I'm going to say almost good. He's similar to the running back for Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure his name is Jonathan Taylor. But J.K. Dobbins has been on my radar for a little while there. And so he's a really good running back. I think it's the Doak Walker. He'll probably be up for the Doak Walker, which is the best running back in college football. But I'm pretty sure that guy from Wisconsin will win that award because he's electric. And he's the, and the Big Ten is all about running the ball, too. So it really works in their favor. Ohio State next week will play the Michigan State's Mich- Mark D'Antoni's Michigan State Spartans. Mark Antonio always has a way of getting his guys ready to play, whether it be those other Big Ten guys, whether it be Ohio State, uh, Penn State, Michigan, whatever the case may be. So it'll probably be a decent game. But right now, the way Justin Fields and uh, I think his head coach name is Ryan Day is running that Ohio State program, I don't really see anybody beating them. So Michigan State would have a great week of practice. But on to the next level, the NFL. Vontez Burfick has been suspended for the rest of the year after another illegal dirty hit on a tight end for the Colts. It was clearly helmet to helmet. This dude has lost $5.3 million in fines and suspension since 2013. There's no place in the league for a guy like this. Like, I, he is going to really hurt somebody, like, to the point where he paralyzed them because this isn't football what he's doing. Those are illegal hits. Maybe it used to be. And I'm all for, like, the, the, the heavy collision football. Like, I love that, too. But, like, this dude's really out here trying to take people out. And he's not doing it by accident. And it keeps happening, so it kind of lets you know. It's kind of like one of those things, like, I'm going to play my game of football. So I think they need to remove him from the NFL for good. Let's suspend him for the rest of the <clears throat> For the rest of the season, he is going to appeal it, and they better not overturn that. Because if they overturn that and he hurts somebody legitimately, then the NFL is probably going to mess around and be in a lawsuit. We'll move a little bit. Um, he plays for the Oakland Raiders. Well, at least he played for the Oakland Raiders. Moving right along, we're going to head down to Florida, where Jalen Ramsey is still with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He set out his first game in the NFL this past week. He has some back I think his back injuries, and he was going to be with his baby's mother, and then he had the flu earlier in the week. What's happening here, I mean, these things might all be true because the NFL season is very taxing on your body, but he probably would have played through these things if, well, maybe. I'm speculating here. I'm speculating these are not facts. But he probably would have played through these things if they would have given him the contract that he wanted, or Tom Coughlin would not have said what he said to him. I don't know what it is. I've been doing the research, but I can't find it. But I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Tom Coughlin said something to Jalen, and that's what has been confirmed. Jalen left that meeting, and he said, told his agent, it's time for me to get out of here. But I don't think the the um, the Jaguars really do not want to let him go. And they even turned down two first-round picks from a team because they feel like the team's picks were going to be too late in the draft for them. So I'm really interested to see if he ends up getting out of Jacksonville. If I had to bet money, I would bet he does, but I don't think he'll be too I'm betting that the Chiefs give them an offer that they cannot refuse because the Chiefs really need help right now. The Chiefs and the Eagles really need help right now in the defensive backfield. So if I had to bet on it, it will be what he'll end up at the Chiefs. I just don't know when that will be. If I know if what they want to do is kind of do how uh, 
the Raptors, not the Raptors, how San Antonio did to Kawhi, sent him a place he doesn't want to go. But the NFL has worked a little bit different than that. So, like I said, if I had to bet money, I would say that Jalen Ramsey ends up out of Jacksonville for the end of the season. I would love to see him in Kansas City, him make that team complete. But we're going to see what happens with that one. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, that guy Patrick McCombs is ridiculous. He led the Chiefs to come back, went over the Lions on the road. Final score was 34-30. McCombs is insane. He was in the middle of a play. He stopped and looked back at the ref to kind of confirm to make sure, like, I think it was that a flag wasn't coming out or something like that. And he kept running. And while that, a lot of people think, okay, he just looked back, like, that's, that's, that is huge. Most guys cannot do that in high school. This is at the, in the NFL, is the biggest, fastest, strongest guys running around on the field and this man the game has slowed down to him to the point where he can like look back and you know he always does the no look pass and stuff he's so comfortable out there where most people heads are kind of like spinning it's insane this is why he uh won the mvp last year he'll probably i don't know if he'll win another one but he's definitely on pace to this season but you never know what can happen throughout the year but Patrick Mahomes is ridiculously comfortable on an NFL football field, and he always does things to surprise us. The dude is just special. Some A lot of stuff he does, you cannot teach. Speaking of special athletes, Deshaun Watson just gets it, man. D.Y., Deshaun Watson, whatever you want to call him, he just gets it. So he, uh, one thing, he also gets sacked a lot. He was sacked six times yesterday. They don't have to do something for it because his body is not built to take all these hits. Like, he is an athlete, a crazy athlete, but... Them hits from a lot of these linebackers and stuff, that thing will put some wear and tear on you. Maybe not right now, but definitely by like year six. We saw it with Andrew Luck. But anyway, he had Quincy Avery, his quarterback's coach, who's one of the elite quarterback's coaches in all the South, when Houston, South, Houston, Atlanta, all those places, Georgia, wherever you want to say. But anyway, after the game, Quincy Avery, he had Quincy Avery come to the stadium. They they were working on some stuff after because the Panthers uh, beat the Houston Texans 16 to 10. And so Deshaun wanted to get some extra practice after the game, probably go through some things that he didn't do too well or maybe some things that confused him. So he's in out there after an NFL game working, still trying to work out the minor kinks and stuff. And let me tell you something. After an NFL game, you are completely exhausted. Like the, the amount of force and energy used in an NFL game, especially when you've been sacked by 280-pound defensive players running full speed at you, stuff like that. And so you're sore. Can't move, and the fact that he's still able to go out there and perform and just practice and do the extra little bit, the extra little bit that's what makes him great. Like I said, if they can't protect him, though, it's gonna be for nothing. They have got they've got to get that straight, but I can't really put that all on the defensive line because Deshaun Watson sometimes he kind of gets out the pocket a little bit, he runs around a little bit, and so it he kind of like a receiver playing quarterback. No disrespect to him, but like the, the way he moves. So it's like some of that's kind of warranted and it comes with it. Speaking of a guy that moves around the pocket, Cam Newton, he came out with this thing on his channel, his YouTube channel, saying, because a lot of people think that his um, shoulder's injured again. It's not that. He has a Liz Frank in his foot. And so basically what he's done is a really smart approach because the man could not even run. I mean, like, obviously he ran, but it was like in serious, gruesome pain. People don't really understand. They'd be like, Cam needs to toughen up or he doesn't love the game. Nah, Cam was in serious pain early this season. And so what he's decided to do is just sit out till he's completely healthy. So therefore he can be the player he likes to play as because not the, not the player he likes to play as, but the player he know he really is. Because otherwise you get like a half a version of him and then people start questioning him. So he's sitting out, he's letting Kyle Allen and he's helping Kyle Allen as much as he can. 
until he gets back to be 100%. And when he does, I'm sure he'll come back and be that same Cam, that same Cam Newton we know and love. So, Lamar Jackson, who's another, uh, they had this black quarterback summit that was on YouTube. The Players Tribune posted it. It was really good. It's talking about how the different black quarterbacks are moving in this game and how they're really making the game much better. Well, Lamar Jackson is another one of these African-American quarterbacks. He is he is so much improved from last season. Like, when you watch the Baltimore Ravens play, their offense is kind of bliss. I mean, except at times, like when I, when I really tuned into that game yesterday, it, he moves the offense very well. The ball's generally in the right place. Sometimes, like, him and one of the tight ends had a miscommunication or he just put it at the wrong place, and so you saw a tight end slam his helmet down. But for the most part, Lamar runs that team pretty well. I think him, that the tight ends, especially Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, are going to carry that Ravens team for a long time as they continue to build rapport throughout the uh, throughout their years. They surprisingly lost to the Browns with the final score of forty to twenty five in Baltimore. This is big because that was an in division matchup, and so with the Browns winning, they go two games up on the Ravens. But the let's see, how can we say this? How? The Browns, the Ravens, like I said, so the Ravens are going to be a good team in the future there. They're still working out some kinks. Lamar's just really, it's just in his second year in the league, and he's already playing very well. Probably one of the more improved players. However, the Browns, I like the Browns a lot. I think I'm kind of moving in to be a little Browns fan. I did not know Nick Chubb could run that fast. If you were watching that game, Nick Chubb took that thing. He started. He looked like uh, Todd Gurley more so than Nick Chubb. I thought he was more of a power than back, but he really showed how fast he is. I think he got up to 21 miles per hour, if I'm not mistaken. And so he helped them get that win. Odell Beckham and Marlon Humphrey got into it throughout. We we're kind of getting into it throughout the game. Odell Beckham kind of punched Marlon, and then later Marlon choke slammed him and held his neck afterwards, like on the ground, like held him down by his neck for some time. That was an extremely damage dangerous play. And then by him maintaining that choke, it was kind of like, yo, this this isn't football anymore. And I get it. That's a little LSU Alabama rivalry, being that Marlon Humphrey went to Alabama. Uh, Odell Beckham with LSU, but that and the penalties were thrown. However, that, that nobody was kicked out the game. That play looked horrible. And then for the NFL, it looks kind of like it makes the NFL look like this like is a, even more of a dangerous game because when you're watching the highlights or you're watching on Twitter, you don't see that that's not legal. You just see that's what football is. And people are always commenting this things, saying things like, "If you don't want to play the game, like this is what comes with it." It's like, no, that's not football. That is that that's just pure violence and extremely dangerous. There's a really bad PR. If I was the NFL, I would find somebody or suspend probably Marlon for at least a game or two just because you want to make sure it's like there's punishment for that, not just a little penalty because uh, one thing you have to understand is you have younger parents watching these games deciding they're gonna let their child play football and they do not want to see that they don't want to envision like that being acceptable in this game of football even though it is dangerous but yeah so like I said I think I'm picking up I'm picking with I'm starting to like the Browns Baker I think they've kind of figured out what they're gonna have to do this this for now on kind of get back to the creativity that got Freddie Kitchens the job as the he at that time he was a running backs coach slash offensive coordinator once they fired their uh, their initial guy, but they're just gonna kind of stick to this kind of more creative play calling, run the ball a little bit. I would love to see Odell Beckham get 100 yards a game though. I mean simply because he's he's that explosive. Obviously Jarvis had a little bit better game yesterday than usual, but I, I when I watch a Browns game, I cut on the TV. I expect Odell to have 100 yards receiving. He only had two catches yesterday for 20 yards. And after the game, him and Marlon kind of squashed it. Marlon said he apologized to Odell. Odell said he was just mad that uh, he lost his earring 
knowing Odell, that was probably a very expensive earring, and that thing probably cost more than some people's houses. But that's what it's like whenever you got it big time. But anyway, that's it for another edition of Matt Sport House. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me up on Twitter at Matt the Chosen One. And thanks for listening.